Hi all, you're listening to At The Beam, a medical education podcast where we discuss high-yield oncology with a focus in radiation oncology. We are Trudy and Josh, and thank you for listening. So welcome back, everyone. It's Trudy and Josh, and we're here um, to discuss another prostate cancer case. Yeah, thanks, Trudy. You know, before we do this, you know, I, I like the thing we're doing. We're doing these mock oral exams. We're trying to learn a little bit more about cancer and workup and treatment. But I, I want to tell a little story, if that's okay. I had a little little segment here where we, you know, talk about um, you know, we've been getting a lot of help for these podcasts. We have uh, these amazing physicians that have been helping us out with these scripts, making sure things look good. And it just reminds me of this story that a buddy of mine, Joe, had told me, and just the importance of getting guidance when you feel lost. And uh, I hope it's okay that I share this with you. But um, so, so my buddy, Joe, he lives um, out in Brooklyn, where, where I'm from. He lived next door to this older woman. She was in her 90s. Her name was uh, Mabel. And then, you know, one day Joe gets this phone call from Mabel and she says to him, hey, you know, Joe, can you please come over and help me? And I'm working on this jigsaw puzzle. I can't figure out how to get it started. And then, you know, Joe thinks for a second and he asks Mabel, you know, what what picture are you trying to get together? What is this puzzle? And then Mabel says, you know, the picture on the box is, is a rooster. And Joe was busy, but, you know, Mabel's his favorite neighbor. So he said, you know what, let me just take a break from my work. Let me go over. Let me go help her out. And Mabel welcomes him in. And Joe goes over to the dining room and he sees the box and everything's just like laid over a dining table. And Joe's looking around and, you know, surveying the situation that's in front of him. And he looks over to Mabel and he goes, look, Mabel, I have to tell you, there's no way we're going to assemble these pieces into anything resembling a rooster. Mabel looks over to Joe. He's she has this like confused look, and she goes, "Why is that, Joe?" So Joe takes a deep breath and just kindly asks, "Hey, Mabel, do you mind just please making me a nice cup of tea?" Mabel smiles gently. She goes, "Okay, Joe," and then she walks over to the kitchen. And then Joe he sighs deeply and says, "You know, while you're making the tea, I'm gonna put all the cornflakes back in the box." <laughs> so. <I love> that. <laughs> And a little corny, but, you know, it just gives you a, a sense of it's <laughs> nice to have a Joe in your life to give you some guidance when you feel a little bit of loss. <laughs> I and, can certainly um, use that. You're, you're my Joe, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a horrible Joe to have in your life if that's the case. <laughs> but, so, yeah, Trudy, what are we going to do today for our, uh, our mock oral exam? Yeah, so today we are going to be discussing intermediate and high-risk prostate cancer, which comprises of 10 to 20% of new cases. And about 5% are associated with genetic mutations. And NCCN now actually recommends genetic testing for any patient with high-risk disease or a family history. So Josh, you're seeing a 65-year-old male with a screening PSA of 9. What are your next steps? All right. So um, I would want to start off with a complete history and physical. I want to pay specific attention to family cancer history, urinary bowel, and sexual function at his baseline. And I also want to perform a digital rectal exam. And I'd also get a repeat PSA as well as some biopsies. All right. So his father was diagnosed with prostate cancer 20 years ago. He has occasional nocturia, but is otherwise asymptomatic and his dairy is normal. PSA is again, eight. Um, so systematic biopsies review three cores of Gleason three plus four total. Okay. So um, we would consider this patient to have uh, an NCCN defined favorable intermediate risk prostate cancer. 
and this is a grade group two, a Gleason three plus four disease. Um, hard indications that would have upgraded to uh, unfavorable intermediate disease is a Gleason four plus three score, or if greater than 50% of the cores are positive. If there are two or more risk factors, this includes a palpable disease crossing midline, a Gleason score seven, or a PSA of uh, 10 to 20, then the patient would also get upgraded to unfavorable intermediate. Um, I'd order genetic testing given uh, his family history, consider um, genomic testing and um, an MRI pelvis as well to help determine whether um, active surveillance would be an appropriate option for him. Right, great. So his genetics is negative. Decipher confirms intermediate risk disease and his MRI prostate is negative for ECE or SVI. What are his treatment options? Yeah, so this uh, confirms that he has a favorable intermediate risk prostate cancer. So he is a candidate for active surveillance as well as surgery or primary radiation therapy. Uh, given his younger age and his life expectancy, we imagine would be greater than 10 years. I'd probably advocate for treatment now rather than opting for active surveillance, which is appropriate if his life expectancy was less than 10 years. So if he chooses radiation therapy, I'd probably opt to treat with SPRT, given that he has excellent urinary and bowel function at baseline. How would you simulate the patient and what prescription dose would you treat with? And please also describe your treatment volumes. So um, I'd have fiducials placed within the prostate and um, then simulate the patient in a supine position with a full but comfortable bladder and make sure his rectum is empty, have him placed in a fat lock bag. I then fuse the simulation CT scan with a diagnostic MRI if we had one. Um, that would help uh, with our contouring. My CTV would include the prostate and I'll also add an anisotropic PTV, um, three millimeters posteriorly and five millimeters elsewhere. And I treat this to 40 grain, five fractions. Uh, for dose constraints on our plan, you know, I'd want to make sure that the rectum and bladder D50% is less than 18 to 20 gray and a D max of uh, less than 42 gray. Uh, for the rectum in particular, I want to make sure that less than half of that rectum receives 24 gray and keep the V30 to less than 2 cc. Uh, the MRI is going to be helpful in contouring the urethra and make sure that the um, Tmax is less than 42 gray to this. Uh, and make sure to counsel the patient uh, regarding acute symptoms uh, of urinary urgency, frequency, dysuria, and possibly some loose bowel movements. In the long term, we just want to make sure to look out for erectile dysfunction, which might require some medical intervention and rare toxicity such as cystitis and proctitis. Great. Um... So what if the patient had Gleason 4 plus 3 disease now, and then how would that change your treatment? Yeah, so the Gleason 4 plus 3 would upgrade him to uh, NCCN-defined unfavorable intermediate risk category, which would warrant um, addition of short-course ADT. It's most likely going to be six months of Lupron in conjunction with definitive RT. Um, also, with uh, unfavorable intermediate risk prostate cancer, the patient would need some sort of initial staging scans, such as a CT or bone scan, or even a PSMA PET. However, for um, unfavorable intermediate risk disease, this is unlikely to upstage or change management. Um, I'd also add the proximal 1CM of the seminal vesicles to my CTV target. Very good. Um, so yeah, the main difference between favorable and unfavorable intermediate risk disease in patients is that those with unfavorable intermediate risk need one initial staging scans Two, they also need some short course ADT, usually about four to six months along with the radiation. And then three, we include the proximal seminal vesicles in our target volumes. 
So let's say the patient still has Gleason 4 plus 3 disease, but his PSA is now higher. It's 30. So how does that change your management? Yeah, that, that PSA will change things. So any PSA that's greater than 20 will now categorize them as high risk. So other high-risk features uh, would include uh, CT3A, which is any disease that's leaving the prostate through um, extraprostatic uh, extension or seminal vesicle involvement, and uh, grade group 4 or 5 disease, which is a Gleason score of 8 or 9. Um, with high-risk disease, the patients definitely need staging imaging, which I would prefer a PSMA PET over a CT bone scan, um, just given the greater sensitivity and likelihood to uh, upstate and change management, especially for high-risk and very high-risk disease. Um, one thing to note uh, for listeners is that although we know that a PSMA PET is far more sensitive than conventional imaging, we're still, we'll still we're still not sure if upstaging from the scan findings, such as uh, newly detected nodal disease, that typically wouldn't be seen on a CT would warrant any sort of change in management. Uh, furthermore, since uh, staging and prognostication was developed in error without PSMA, um, we don't know if upstaging by PSMA will translate into any change in prognosis. So for this patient, if staging scans show prostate-confined disease, then his options would still include surgery or definitive RT with a long-course ADT. So this patient um, chooses radiation. So what would your treatment entail? Yeah. So um, if he goes forward with radiation therapy, uh, I treat with a fractionated external beam radiation course uh, to 46 gray to the prostate and seminal vesicles, as well as the pelvic lymph node. And this could be followed by HDR brachytherapy boost, uh, likely a single implant, 15 gray. Uh, for the pelvic lymph node volumes, I'd start at around the L4, L5 spine level, and uh, include the external and internal iliacs, presacrals, and the obturator lymph nodes. Um, alternatively, uh, SBRT to the prostate and lymph nodes uh, is also an option with long-term ADT. Uh, for that, it'd probably do 40 grain, five fractions to the prostate and some vesicles, and 25 grain, five fractions to the pelvic lymph nodes. Uh, with radiation, I would recommend one to three years of combined ADT with a GnRH agonist, such as Lupron, and a non-steroidal anti-antrogen like bicalutamide to start at the same time of radiation, and then continue that adjuvantly. Uh, an alternate um, ADT approach is uh, use of a GnRH antagonist, such as Relugalix. Um, these are often associated with a quicker onset of testosterone suppression and fewer cardiovascular risks. Uh, this patient's only high-risk feature was a PSA greater than 20, but should he have had two or more of the following risk factors, um, things like clinical T3 or T4 disease, PSA that was greater than 40, um, or a Gleason score of 8 to 10, or even relapsing disease after ADT, I'll probably add abiaterone or, uh, and uh, prednisolone to his ADT. Um, this is often termed as advanced ADT. And uh, for this patient, um, we can also obtain a decipher to better characterize his genomic risk profile since he doesn't meet the formal stampede criteria to add uh, abiaterone and prednisone. All right. Very good. Um, so when in this situation would observation be appropriate for a patient with high-risk disease? Yeah, we probably only considered it if his uh, life expectancy was less than five years. Okay. And then what if a staging CT scan showed gross nodal disease and let's say two internal iliac lymph nodes before um, he gets treatment? How would that change your plan? Yeah. So um, any patient with uh, node positive prostate cancer probably advocate for definitive radiation rather than undergoing uh, surgery in a lymph node dissection. 
Uh, probably treat the prostate and seminal vesicles to 60 grain, 20 fractions, and then cover the elective lymph nodes to a 46 grain, those 20 fractions, with a simultaneous integrated boost of 54 grain to those gross nodes. Uh, importantly for regional N1 disease, he should probably get at least two years of advanced ADT. Very good. Yeah. So this patient, he's going to get ADT, he's going to get abiraterone and prednisone. What are some side effects of ADT that this patient should expect? Some of the um, common side effects, they include fatigue, uh, some weight gain. Some people will experience some hot flashes and decreased libido and impotence. Um, in the long term, probably want to look out for depression, and bone health, um, since osteoporosis can develop. Uh, ADT can also um, confer some uh, cardiotoxicity. So I'd be mindful of that in patients who have uh, pre-existing cardiac comorbidities. All right. Very good, Josh. So let's say the patient has now completed long course ADT. How are you going to follow him? Um, so I would check PSA every six months at first. And uh, if the PSA starts to rise after being on surveillance, I would worry about disease recurrence once uh, the PSA surpasses uh, Nader plus two. Uh, this is per the uh, Phoenix definition for biochemical recurrence, and uh, would definitely obtain restaging imaging at that point. Um, nowadays, with uh, ultra-sensitive PSMA PET scan, if the PSA rises above uh, 0.2, probably consider getting a PSMA that time to evaluate for any um, disease recurrence or any restaging scan if there were any signs or, or concern of um, clinical recurrence. All right. Very good. Well, this concludes our episode on intermediate and high-risk prostate cancer. Again, thank you to Dr. Amar Kishan for helping us review this script. And thank you to you for listening. Again, you'll find the show notes on our website at thebeam.com. Be well and remember to trust, but always verify.